Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What were you like when I was 25? When I was 25 or so, I probably weighed about 138 pounds. I smoked like a pack of cigarettes a day. I drank tremendous amount of alcohol. I was from northern Alberta, this rough little town up in northern Alberta called Fairview. And, you know, there were long winters there and my friends were heavy drinkers and most of them dropped out of school by the time they were 15 or 16, went off to work on the oil rigs. And, you know, it was a rough town and we drank a lot. I started when I was 14 and I had a lot of bad habits, let's say, and I wasn't in great shape physically. And I was also still intellectually obsessed by as I am now but I decided around then about 85 84 something like that maybe a little earlier that I was really going to try to get my act together and uh, so I started doing that I you know I first of all I quit smoking well that took a long time because I eventually had to quit drinking too in order to quit smoking and I started working out started playing sports which I'd never done I was a small kid I'd been skipped a grade and I was a small small for my age so sports were never especially team sports were never really a domain of expertise for me um, although I skied and went trapping with my dad and went you know cross-country skiing and camping and all that so but uh, when I went to graduate school I started swimming <laughs> the first uh, physical exercise routine I did I enrolled in a ex- swim exercise course I think it was called so it was me and this like really overweight kid and like these 60 year old women and men they could out exercise me like mad it was really embarrassing me and the, the overweight kid you know we'd be just panting ourselves three quarters to death at the end of the bloody workout and these 60 year old women who weren't in great shape were like you know chatting away uh, as if nothing was going on at all in the pool so that was quite embarrassing and when I started working out when I was a kid I was weighed about 130 pounds and I was six foot one I was a thin kid and I smoked a lot I wasn't in good shape and I went to the gym and it was bloody embarrassing you know and people would come over and help me with the goddamn weights here's how you're supposed to use this you know it was humiliating and maybe I was pressing 65 pounds or something at that point you know but what am I going to do I'm going to lift up 150 pounds and injure myself right off the bat No, I had to go in there and strip down and put my skinny goddamn self in front of the mirror and think, son of a bitch, there's all these monsters in the gym who've been lifting weights for 10 years and I'm struggling to get 50 pounds off the bar. Tough luck for me, but I could lift 50 pounds. And it wasn't very long until I could lift 75. And well, you know how it goes. And I never injured myself when I was weightlifting. And the reason for that was I never pushed myself past where I knew I could go. And I pushed myself a lot. You know, I gained 35 pounds of muscle in about three years in in university. I kind of had to quit because I was eating so goddamn much I couldn't stand it. I was eating like six meals a day. It was just taking up too much time. But there's a humility in determining what it is that the wretched creature that you are can actually manage. 
aim low. And I don't mean don't aim, and I don't mean don't aim up. You can set yourself a goal that you can attain, and there's not going to be much glory in it to begin with. Because if you're not in very good shape, the goal that you could attain tomorrow isn't very glorious. But it, it's a hell of a lot better than nothing, and it beats the hell out of bitterness, and it's way better than blaming someone else. It's way less dangerous. And you could do it. There's a statement in the New Testament. It's called the Matthew Principle, and economists use it to describe how the economy and the world works. To those who have everything, more will be given. From those who have nothing, everything will be taken. It's like what's very pessimistic in some sense, because it means that as you start to fail, you fail more and more rapidly. But it also means that as you start to succeed, you succeed more and more rapidly. And so you take an incremental step, and well, now you can lift 55 pounds instead of 52.5 pounds. You think, well, what the hell's that? It's like it's one step on a very long journey and it starts to compound on you. So a small step today means puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And then that puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And you do that for two or three years, man, you're starting to stride. So like I was kind of a wild man and, you know, I'm a little bit manic in my, in my uh, temperament. And so, you know, I was, I was kind of going every direction at the same time. You know, I don't regret that. I had a fine time when I was a kid, and but uh, I needed really to get disciplined. And I had to do it because I was working on these hard problems that, you know, that I've been discussing with all of you, and I've been working on them really, you know, obsessively since I was probably about 18, maybe even earlier than that. Got to the point around 25 when I was in graduate school trying to get my PhD, so doing all my research. Like I published 15 papers by the time I graduated with my PhD, which was by a fairly large measure the most papers that any graduate student at that time had ever published at McGill. And at the same time I wrote Maps of Meaning, which was a terrible, terrible, terribly difficult thing to do because I was writing about three hours a day doing that. And I couldn't do all that and continue with my misbehavior, you know, my sort of my, what, what would you say, Ma my massive hedonistic consumption of alcohol and all of that. I just couldn't keep it up and also work seriously on the issues that were at hand. So, you know, I had to stop. That's a sacrifice. I had to stop. I noticed when I was in my early 20s that the only time I really regretted what I had done was when I was drinking. Now, it was also interfering with me writing because I couldn't concentrate well enough if I was hungover. I couldn't tolerate the emotional strain of what I was writing about when I was hungover. It was too, I couldn't handle being on the edge because I destabilized my nervous system. In any case, I stopped drinking. And the reason for that was, well, I decided I didn't want to be ashamed of what I was doing anymore. I thought, well, maybe I could not do things that were shameful and then see what my life was like. So that, that was sort of on the negative end, the constraint end. I think people get, on the more positive end, people get deeply involved in what they're doing if they're in the right place in the right time. So that you, I would say you can tell this is the idea of heaven on earth to some degree. When time stops, when you're not aware of the duration of time, when you're so engaged with what you're doing that you're not aware of the duration of time, then, then you've got the forces of chaos balance and order balanced properly. It's, you're not stultified and bored, that's an excess of order. Everything's too predictable. You're not overwhelmed. You're you're dealing with it's like it's like it's you're playing tennis at the peak of your game. That's partly what people experience when they're great athletes when they play. The zone, yeah. You know, and they're always stretching themselves to their limit. You can tell that if you watch a gymnast, for example, who who has a brilliant performance, they've stretched themselves beyond their domain of competence during the performance. And that's what makes everybody leap to their feet. That's the incarnation given 
embodiment right there in front of you for some moments and everyone cheers that on. It requires even to some degree some good fortune to maintain. I certainly haven't been able to do that while I was ill. One of the consequences of, of my illness, whatever it was or is, was time dilation. Like days lasted weeks, it seemed like. Minutes lasted hours, and I mean that literally. Um, and that was terrible. The weight of time, it's the weight of brute mortality. It's the weight of self-consciousness. And you escape that immersed properly. If you're not who you want to be, then think about how you could be better. Take a chance, aim at that, work at it, and see what happens. I got married while my, the woman who's my wife, Tammy, who, who I've known since she was eight years old, she lived across the street from me in this little town called Fairview, and I was in love with her like the first time I saw her, which is quite the bloody thing. So that's worked out pretty well for me, but she came to live with me about the same time and you know we decided jointly to get our act together and we swore that we tell each other the truth which I think she's actually done better than me like I don't think I don't think she's lied to me ever in our entire marriage which is unbelievable you know and it's been so useful because I can really tell her things and we can really talk so I tell you if you want to have a good relationship man you embed it in the truth because if you don't embed it in the truth you don't have a relationship it's it's just lies it's it's a tissue of lies and it will it will dissolve in the chaos as soon as the crisis comes along. So the truth is a terrible thing, but not, not compared to falsehood.